do very much appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning. Um, I have, over the past few years, uh, grown to love your pastor and his family uh, greatly. I appreciate him for the cause of Christ and for what he stands for. And I appreciate very much the opportunity. It is truly a sweet privilege to be able to stand before you today. Uh, quite a while back, um, I had this opportunity to do a particular study on some uh, on some things that um, some people would look at as being kind of strange, uh, but nevertheless, um, sometimes preachers get into those things, you know. And so, I hope you all are having a good day. I hope you've enjoyed the day so far, and I hope before the day is over, you'll be able to say that it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And to start that off that way, uh, I spent 30 years with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company in Union City, Tennessee. It never failed whenever I got home, whether it be working the afternoon shift or the day shift, but whenever I got home every day, my sweet wife would always ask me, well, how's your day been? Many of you have obviously experienced the same thing. I see smiles on your face, you know. How's your day? If you had a good day today, is things go well? Your children come home from school. You ask the question, how was your day? Did you learn anything today? Have you had a good day? Has it been a good day? Or was today just ordinary? And I got to thinking about it. Uh, I came home one day and Deb asked me, she said, well, have you had a good morning, had a good day? Well, um, I guess, been kind of slow. Nobody stopped by the office today. Nobody stopped by the library. Everybody was, I, I, I haven't heard anything from anybody today. It's been kind of mundane. And for the most part, I'm getting on up in years, and quite frankly, most of my days are quite mundane. They're quite plain. And I got to thinking, have you ever thought about what it would be like on an ordinary day some 2,000 years ago in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? So this morning, I want to, I've been, I've been preaching along these lines and 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 studying along these lines for several months now. So this morning I want to continue to, uh, to expound upon the scriptures, if the Lord would bless our time for a little while, uh, along the thought process of just an ordinary day in the life of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a pleasant thought to think about it. Now, the people that Jesus encountered during the day was nothing ordinary with them. It was always extraordinary for them. But for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're talking he is God manifest in the flesh. When you see Jesus, you see God. Uh, you know, he told his disciples, he told the, he told the, the scribes and the Pharisees, you, you want to know who God is, you're looking at him. You know, I'm him. And nothing, nothing about that is ordinary, okay? But, but think about from his perspective. Now, in Mark, uh, I draw my narrative this morning from, uh, from Mark, but I'll read also from Matthew as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7. But before I get into Matthew uh, for a few moments. I want to read something to you. Now this is, remember now, this is just an ordinary day in the life of Christ. Now, <clears throat> here's some things that really caught my attention. Now, 
Nobody, everybody has the idea that, well, Jesus just loves everybody, you know. Uh, he just uh, he just wants you to be happy. He just wants this. You know, Jesus this and Jesus that. God to me is this, okay? Well, let me, let me read this narrative. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. Somebody's always going to find fault, right? For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups, of pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him. Now remember now, this is just an ordinary day for Christ. It's about to be extraordinary for these scribes and Pharisees, but it's about to be even more extraordinary for someone else. That's Hopefully that's where we'll get to here in a few moments. The scribes and Pharisees ask him, Why not, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but, with their, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things you do. And he says, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Amen. I just get the feeling whenever I read that and I think about these fastidious keepers of the law the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers of the day, the ones who uh, obviously, like the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus, was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, understood the law. They knew all about the law. And here they come to Jesus to confront him, and instead of him calling them, well, now, y'all understand you, you'll, you'll figure it out later. He says, you bunch of hypocrites. A bunch of hypocrites. Now, I, w I just want to go out on a limb here and tell you that uh, that's not a pleasant greeting, is it? That's not something that's going to get you a pat on the back. It's not something, you know, you walk into a court of law. Here's a bunch of lawyers. Here's a bunch of keepers of the law, you walk into a court of law and you tell the judge you're a hypocrite, it's not going to be a pleasant day for you, okay? You're not going to have a good day. It's going to be anything but ordinary for you for a while, all right? This is the way this ordinary day begins for the Lord. We'll skip on down now and I'll switch over and I will read Matthew chapter 15. And verse 21, begin reading in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed 
with the devil. I think it's interesting here. She doesn't ask here immediately for her daughter to be taken care of, but she says, have mercy on me, which tells me, uh, sometimes, you know, brother, sometimes, preacher, we've got to read beyond the page. We've got to look into the, to the human psyche of the psyche of humanity. We've got to look beyond what's written on the page to see the situation. Here's a woman that's in a dire strait. She knows that if her daughter is healed, she's going to be a lot better off. There's obviously a serious situation with her daughter. We don't know how serious it is, but we know that she doesn't ask for her daughter explicitly right here to be healed, but she asks for the Lord to have mercy upon her. I think that's very interesting. I think that's a very, very valid point here that, that she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. I think it's very interesting that here she acknowledges him for who he is. We're going to find out later as we read these narratives that she has no right to know who he is according to the law. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She's not only approaching the Lord Jesus Christ with this situation, she's coming to the twelve as well. <clears throat> she's coming to them and saying, I need some help. I've got to have some help. This is killing me. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you just needed someone to listen to you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, every once in a while, you just need someone to listen. For she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, once again, there are so many scriptures that are going through my mind, you know, right at this particular mind. You know, uh, uh, John chapter 1, he came into his own, his own received him not. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He admitted, I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm here for them, and they're not paying any attention to me. The scribes and the Pharisees and, all, and the Sadducees and all these other C's that are out there, you know, they're the ones that are driving me nuts. If you could drive Jesus crazy, they would have done it. And here, on this particular ordinary day, this woman has come to him and says, Lord, I need some help. It's beyond anything that these doctors and lawyers can do. It's kind of like the woman that had the issue of blood. I'm, I'm done. I can't go any further. I'm lost. I have nowhere to go. And he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now then, whenever I start studying an event, a narrative, I always go to everywhere in the scriptures that that narrative is expressed. Sometimes it'll be in Matthew and Mark. Sometimes it'll be in Matthew and Luke. Sometimes it'll be in Luke and Mark. Sometimes it'll be in all four of the Gospels. But I always try to find where the same narrative, the same story, if you will, is expressed and used every one, all, four, all of the writers' uh, verbiage concerning 
how it is written and what's to be taught. Now, every theologian that I have ever read after, and I, uh, I read, I don't read just everyday common stuff. I, I'm a readaholic, okay? Let me just go ahead and admit this. I do, number one, I don't watch very much television. I, I, you could count, you will not have to take your shoes off to count the number of movies that I have watched from the beginning to the end in 68 years. And that even includes Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, okay? I have no time for it. I have always loved to read. I'm a readaholic. I've read the Bible through from cover to cover at least a dozen times. Uh, and and I, just, I just enjoy reading. So whenever I say, I, but I read the old Dutch writers and the old German writers. I read those people that, that, have, that, are, that wrote books whenever they had a candle to, to read by, the ones that didn't have uh, Facebook and, or fake book and, and all those other things, you know, to keep them occupied with their time, all they had was God's holy word and a candle. And they wrote down their thoughts. And those are the men that I try to study after. Those are the ones that I try to study. A guy asked me the other day, he said, what you reading on? And I told him, he said, uh, what? He'd never heard of it. I said, well, there's a reason you've never heard of it. You know, if you get your nose out of fake book, you'll, you'll understand exactly where it's at, you know, where it come from. That's enough about that. <clears throat> but now, so I, so I read all the narratives concerning a particular event, a particular. So I find in Mark chapter 7, and we began in Mark this morning talking about the uh, uh, dealing with Jesus calling the scribes and the, and, and the Pharisees hypocrites. <laughs> Your traditionalist is what you are. Now, just because you're a traditionalist doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. But they were a hypocrite because they were condemning someone for doing something that they were guilty of doing themselves. That's what they were hypocrites for. So begin reading in Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Now this is the, uh, the same narrative, but understand that most theologians, everyone that I've ever read after that I consider to be worth anything, agrees that the gospel of Mark was the first gospel that was pinned down. The first one. Mark probably got his information directly from the Holy Spirit corroborating with the Apostle Peter. That's probably you know, as most people think, because of the way the Gospel of Mark is written. Matthew and Luke pull from Mark's Gospel most often. They're called synoptic Gospels. Mark chapter 7 and verse 24. Now remember, he's just, he's just, he's just told these men, you bunch of hypocrites. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. And we get a little, little more information here now. The woman was a Greek. She's a Greek. A Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But, but Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. For it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And she was come to her house. She found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now, this is not the first time Jesus has mentioned the dogs. It's not the first time that Jesus has mentioned the dogs. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, 
during his uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking. Uh, there's multitudes of people listening, okay? But he's directing this message to 12 men. He's speaking it to 12 disciples, okay? He's teaching this disciples, and he says unto them, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under the feet and turn again and rend you. Remember, there's a multitude of people hearing what he has to say. He's teaching 12 particular men who he's about to send out. Because just a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 10, he tells them to go, to go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You are to go out to the lost sheep. There, I've got some sheep out here, and they're lost. They're confounded. They're bound under a law that I'm going to take care of. I'm going to fulfill the law. Don't worry about the law anymore. And by the way, the law I'm referring to is the ceremonial law. God's Ten Commandments are just as valid today as they ever were. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> now, remember, multitudes of people are listening whenever he says this. And he says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine. He's comparing the Gentiles to a bunch of hogs now. You're not only, you're not, only to not give it uh, the, 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 the children's bread to, you're not supposed to feed the dogs with it, but you treat the dogs as if they're a bunch of hogs. And under the law, you're not even supposed to be around a hog. A hog is something that if you touch one of them, you have to go around and, and holler, call yourself unclean. I'm unclean. I've touched a hog. How horrible a life did all these people have on a daily basis? On a daily basis. And here comes a man on an ordinary day. Just an ordinary day in his life. For three, Can you imagine for three and a half years walking with him? You know, no, no wonder, no wonder, you know, whenever, you know, no wonder John leaned on and said, is it me? <laughs> you know, I've seen so much. I, I, I can't imagine what they could have possibly thought whenever this woman comes to him. But our narrative in Mark says that he, <clears throat> that he from thence arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it. It wasn't his time yet. It wasn't time for him to expose, if you will, or prove who he is. And I used to, I, you know, I, and I've heard people say it, you know, uh, well, Jesus is who he said he was. And I get it. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But Jesus is who he says he is because he's still alive. He's not a was. He's not a has been. He's not washed up. Jesus is who he is, right? Now, he went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. He didn't go into the cities themselves, but rather just to the borders of, the, of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he had them... Uh, no man to know that he was there. He's in a house that's close by. Why would he do that? Well, it's not his hour yet. No doubt. And remember, he just a little while ago called a bunch of people that already want to kill him a bunch of hypocrites. I have a feeling that in his humanity, it's hard to, it's hard to separate the deity of Christ. Because, but here we're dealing with a man that is God and God that is a man. That's what we're dealing with here. And in his humanity, he needed some quiet time. You ever need any quiet time? I spent all day yesterday with my two sons and my three grandsons uh, deer, in the deer woods. You know, there was very little quiet time. Very little quiet time. Every once in a while, I'd get my phone out and I'd do a little studying, you know. Uh, thankfully, th I, I'm not against electronic devices, as you can see. I use one. 
Everybody said, I had a fellow ask me that here a while back, and I'll just share this with you. He said, but Mike, I don't understand why you use that iPad and not your Bible anymore. I said, because my Bible's got print so small in it that I need a magnifying glass. And uh, this one, I can blow it up however big I need it, you know. And that's why I use it. And he said, oh, well, okay. And, and he was fine with that. I don't know what he would have done if I would told him it wasn't any of his business, but I didn't do that, you know. But anyway, now, <clears throat> he's not his hour yet. Don't tell anybody. Several times, Jesus, whenever he would perform a miracle, whenever he would heal someone, don't tell them. You remember he cleansed a leper and he told the leper, he said, Go show it to the priest, but don't tell him who did it. You know, whenever he uh, 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 healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, he says, take up your bed and walk, but don't tell anybody who did it. Whenever he healed the man that was born blind, what did he say? Don't tell anybody who did it. And the man didn't tell. He said, I don't know who he was, but all I know is I was once blind, but now I can see. Amen. Amen. That's right. For a certain woman, verse 25, for a certain woman <clears throat> whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him. She heard of him and came and fell at his feet. How did this Syrophoenician woman, a dog, compared to a hog in the eyes of a Jew, in the eyes of a natural, physical seed of Abraham. How did she hear of the things of Christ? Well, his fame spread pretty quick. You know, you have, when you have a man that was born blind, you know, and now he can see. Uh, when you have lepers being cleansed, when you have all the things, you know, that that he accomplished while he was here, his fame kind of spreads pretty quick, you know. But how did she hear of him? I would submit to you that she knew him the same way that Peter, whenever he walked up to Peter on the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he said, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And Peter said, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Isaiah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Who is it that, who, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ. Now, I never paid a whole lot of attention in school. I'll tell that by my southern language, okay? Uh, I, I didn't have to. Uh, I was blessed, okay? But if I'd have, if I'd have wanted, if I should have paid a lot better attention in English class, okay? But I do know this much. The word the is a definite article. He didn't say, thou art a Christ, you're the Christ. He didn't say, you are a son of the living God. He said, you're the son of the living God. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. There's three definite articles right there used. Three of them. Okay? When Jesus said that to Peter, then he turns right around and he says, and thou art Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church. He said, the same way you know who I am, I know who you are. And what's that rock? Well, it's Christ, but it goes deeper than just being the person Jesus Christ. It's the principle that God reveals himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by the efficacious work of the Holy Spirit. How did this Syrophoenician woman know that this was the Lord? How did she know that this man, that she was there to worship, that she was there to plead her case to? How did she know? Now, you can hear all kinds of things about people, but until you get a word that says, that's him, 
How did she know? How did she pick it up? How did she know it? I would submit to you today by the, by the authority of the word of God that here is a woman, a, a dog, con considered to be a dog by the Jews, considered to be outside the oracles of God, outside the law of God, had no right to even be there. I would submit to you that she was born of the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God convinced her that this man can help you. This man can help you. How many of you have ever been to a doctor's office and when the doctor walks in after five minutes you say, I'm going to need another doctor. Me and this guy are not going to get along. My wife had a heart attack a little over two years, about almost three years ago now. And the doctor that performed the uh, uh, cath on her, the stent, put the stent in, he's as nice a little fellow as you ever want to meet in your life, just as friendly as the day is long. I mean, you, I mean, I would, I'd take him out to dinner. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's just a nice guy. He really, really is. And I thank him for what he did. But his partner, his partner <clears throat> has got the bedside manner of that pew right there. And uh, and I can tell you right now, we're we're not on the same. We're not. You know, here I am. You know, I, I'm sorry. He he just does not have my attention. If he was her cardiologist, we'd have a new one. Matter of fact, when we talked about it to our doctor, what did he say? He said, "Don't worry about it. They're on every street corner in Jackson, Tennessee. Don't worry about it. We'll get you another one if you don't like him." Okay. This woman outcast, has no right to be there. A Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. A Gentile, a heathen, which made her faith in Christ even more remarkable. Even more remarkable. Now, <clears throat> now I'm sure your pastor is going to Gonna, gonna straighten all this out, you know, here for long, you know, probably next week. Um, Phoenicia is an area that is referred to as Canaan in the scriptures. The words are just synonymous, if you will. A Canaan in the scriptures. It's the area where Canaan, the grandson of Noah, actually settled after the flood. Now, the word is also used in Matthew 15 and 22 where it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Jesus, remember now, Jesus didn't go into the cities of Tyre and Sidon. He's kind of in the outskirts. But he's outside. He, he's somewhere where he's really maybe not supposed to be because he's wanting a little downtime. Jesus says to her, he says, verse 27, but let the children first be filled. <clears throat> this is an interesting thought. Once again, you got to read beyond what's on the page. you got to go back into the Old Testament. Because here what Jesus is saying, he said, I'm not denying the Gentiles my, my presence. I'm not denying the Gentiles access. I'm not denying it, I'm just postponing it. The children of Israel, the seed of Abraham, are to receive it first. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you read Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Here, unbeknownst to this Syrophoenician woman, unbeknownst to her, she is fulfilling the prophecy and she doesn't even know it. Isn't this amazing? Isn't it amazing how God's word, whenever you look at God's word for everything that's there and then try to tie everything together, isn't it amazing how God in his wondrous grace has blessed us to see I, I had all this worked out from the beginning. As a matter of fact, he said, I declared the end from the beginning. But Jesus, when he sent his apostles out, he sent them out first 
to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread. Bread. What's he referring to? Well, in John chapter 6, verse 35, he tells you what the bread is. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm it. I'm the bread of life. Don't take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. I go by. I keep thinking from time to time. I keep thinking over and over and over. Why am I so blessed to see these things? Why is Brother Kevin so blessed to see these things? Because under those terms, we didn't even have access. Romans chapter 3 begins by saying, What advantage hath the Jew? Much in every way. For unto them were committed the oracles of God. The Jewish people, Abraham's seed, they had the oracles of God. They had everything that was necessary for them to see that Jesus was the Messiah. They had everything that was necessary for them to see that Jesus was the Messiah. That's one of the studies I'm doing right now in, in, my, in my study. I'm studying the Christology of the Old Testament. That means, well, what that is, is Christ in the Old Testament. Everywhere you see Christ in the Old Testament. Whenever he was on the road, uh, road to Emmaus, following along with, I believe it was, uh, you know, a man and his wife, Cleopas and his wife is who I believe it was. He's on the road to Emmaus. He's walking along there with them. And, and then the Bible tells me that, <clears throat> that, that he began to open up the scriptures to them. And he began at Moses and the Psalms and the prophets and expounded unto them all the things concerning himself. I've said for a many times, wouldn't you love to have been hidden on the side of the road walking along listening to that sermon? Man, I'm telling you now, I, that, that, wouldn't you have just loved to have been involved in hearing that? All the things that, that are speaking in the Old Testament of Christ. Paul tells the church at Galatia, he said, all that Old Testament law was, was a schoolmaster. It was a pedagogue to point us to Christ. And Paul Mm, man, you know, if anybody was on the mess-up page, he was, you know. But the Lord took care of that too, you know. <clears throat> For it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it under dogs. I want to tell you right now, this woman's faith is really being tried. You think about it. You just think about this. Here's a woman that by the Spirit of God has seen that this man can help her he, yes, he's a Jew. Yes, I'm a Syrophoenician. Yes, I understand I'm a dog. I understand I have no right to be here or anything else. But I'm here worshiping him. I came, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he tells me that I have no right to it. He calls her a dog. But now think about this for a minute. If you look on a, a map, the area where she's from is very, very close to Israel. And proximity-wise, it's, it's fairly close. And as his fame is spreading abroad, no doubt she's heard of him. No doubt she's heard of it. She heard of him. That, that's why she's there. Okay. She understands his language. Why would she understand it? I'd be willing to, I'd be willing, you know, now, I, I'm not a gambler, okay? Uh, but I'd be willing to bet the farm that she'd been called a dog before. I'd be willing to bet this was nothing new to her. I'd be willing to bet that she's heard someone call her an old Gentile dog before. You're just a Greek. You're just a Syrophoenician woman. You have no right to the law of God. You have no right to the oracles of God. You have no right to be here. What are you doing here anyway? If you study the old temple, you study that old temple, there was a place in the temple, in the temple of God, the Jewish temple of God, there was a place where that the dogs could come and worship. They didn't have Abraham as their father, but they could come and worship. Here's a woman 
Now she's coming to worship. No doubt she's been called a dog before. And up until this point, I want you to think about this now. Up until this very point in this narrative, there's nothing has changed in this woman's day. She still has a daughter that's vexed with a bad spirit. She's got a spirit of the devil, the daughter does. She's still got a daughter that is causing all kinds of problems. She's still got, she still got more, as the old saying goes, got more problems than Carter's got liver pills. Now, I do not know how many liver pills Carter's got. That's just an old saying, okay? Uh, this sister here is laughing, so she's heard it many a time, okay? Uh, I don't know how many I don't know how many liver pills Carter's got, okay? But she's got problems. And up until this point, on this ordinary day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's very ordinary for her, you see. It's very ordinary for her. It's just an ordinary day. And when she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, she acknowledged right then, right there, that this is God manifest in the flesh. The same thing when Saul of Tarsus was on the road to Damascus to put into prison the people of God for doing the very thing that we're doing this morning. And he was struck down on the road to Damascus. And as he was, when he was struck down, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? He acknowledged that that moment, never before had he ever had a thought about doing anything that would uh, be in a positive light to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he acknowledges him as Lord, right then and right there. Here this woman on the same way, the same way that, that the Apostle Paul, uh, who turned uh, Saul of Tarsus, who was later t- uh, deemed the Apostle Paul, the same way that he saw him, she sees him, Lord. Yes, Lord. She acknowledged that Jesus had the power and the authority to take care of her situation. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the the table eat of the children's crumbs. I'm reminded of that rich man in Luke chapter 16. There's a rich man and there's a man named Lazarus. Now, whether you consider this to be an allegory, whether you consider it to be a parable, I personally believe it is a literal interpretation. Reasoning, I say that. Allegories are never used and parables are never used where proper names are mentioned. I believe it is a, a literal event that has taken place. When you look at Luke chapter 16 in verse 20, <clears throat> and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, different Lazarus from the one that, that Jesus raised from the dead, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Here's a picture of an old beggar, an old Jewish beggar. If he could just get a crumb, I just want a crumb from the rich man's table. I want to tell you, my beloved, I just want to throw this right here at you. We have before us today a full meal not just a crumb and it's from the richest man that ever graced the face of this earth for 33 and a half years it's from the richest man that there ever was and he's the Lord Jesus Christ you know I hear people say well you know Jesus said you know the cattle of a thousand hills are mine saith the Lord you know Uh, well I tell you this the cattle of all the hills are his uh, everything that's here belongs to him. Right. If, you know, <clears throat> it's all his. We have here a Syrophoenician woman exhibiting the faith of a Jewish beggar. 
in front of a bunch of Jewish men, including Jesus, all in an ordinary day. And the life of Jesus Christ. But for her, it's about to be extraordinary. For her, this day is about to be anything but ordinary. <clears throat> I want you to remember now, I want you to picture this. Here's a woman. Doesn't say anything about her husband. We don't know if her husband is dead. We don't know if, her, if she was never married. We don't know the situation. She's a Syrophoenician woman. She's a woman that's an outcast from Jewish society, from biblical reasoning, from biblical society. She's an outcast. Here's a woman that has no right to even approach the throne of grace according to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. Has no right whatsoever. And yet she comes and she comes worshiping. And she comes begging, Lord, I have nothing to give. I'm just a wretched, vile sinner. I, I own it. I'm a dog. I own it. I'm a dog. And he said unto her, for this saying, what saying? That even the dogs get to eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. She says, I know I'm not worthy. Do you feel worthy of the least of the blessings of God? I want to tell you, I, I, I have studied Phariseeism and I've studied the Sadducees, I've studied the scribes, I've studied what it meant, what, 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 what their religion was. And I want to tell you, I, I want no part of it. I want no part of it. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be the guy that thumbs his lapels and says, "Well, look at me, how great a guy I am." I want to be the guy that I am. I want to be the one. I want to be like the one that smote himself on the breast and said, "Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner," because I know me better than anybody in this room, even my wife. I know what I'm capable of, and I don't like me sometimes. Sometimes I get caught up. And I think maybe I'm possessed of the devil. But I know the one from the scriptures that I can approach worshiping who can take care of all those problems for me. I know I'm worthy, she said. She owned it. She owned it. I'm owning it, she says. I know I'm a dog. I know I'm unworthy to be here. I know I'm not even, I shouldn't even be in your presence. I know that according to the law, if I even touch you or you touch me, you're supposed to be going around calling yourself unclean because you touched a Gentile, a dog, somebody equal to a swine. I'm owning it, she says. But I've got this little girl. And I'm at my wit's end. I have nowhere to go. Have you ever been to the point in your life where you just felt like there was nowhere you could go? You had no one to help? You know, kind of like the man that was at the pool of Bethesda. He's sitting there. He said, I've been here for 38 years. All my friends are gone. I have no one to help. There's no one to help me. I have nothing. I'm just here. I'm waiting for the Spirit to come, trouble the water. Maybe I'll be the first one in. And Jesus didn't send the Spirit to trouble the water and cast him in. He just said, rise, take up your bed and walk. I want to tell you, when there's no one to help, when you have no one to help, when you're at your wit's end and you think there is no one, no way anybody can help you, and you're having one of those mundane days where everything is going wrong, there's someone. <laughs> there's someone. And he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. My friends, there is a man in heaven. He's got nail prints in his hands. He's got the bears the marks of a crown of thorns around his brow. He's got a place in his side where a spear pierced him. 
But he's alive. He's alive. And he's alive so that when we are like this Syrophoenician person, this woman, we can come to him and ask him, worship him. Here's a woman. When she come to her house, verse 30, Mark 7, when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Just an ordinary day in the life of Christ that turned out to be the most extraordinary day in the life of a Gentile dog. Someone who was so unworthy. She's experiencing a very extraordinary day. I want to thank you all for your very, very good attention. And if I've said something this morning that has been beneficial to you, why? You thank the good Lord for it. You thank the good Lord for it. And if you're in trouble, if you're in trouble and you find yourself in need, you find yourself where there's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else I can do. I'm at my wit's end. There's one. And he's seated on a throne in heaven's immortal glory. And he is our mediator. He's our intercessor. And we can approach him just like this sister. Do you notice I called her a sister? This is a sister in Christ. She can't claim Abraham as her father. But she can claim to be a sister in Christ. Because the master... The one who calms the storms, the one who heals, cleanses the lepers, the one who does all these things, he's still on his throne, and he hasn't lost any of his power. May the Lord richly bless you.